The only place in the multiverse where you can love the book, hate the movie, but still buy all the toys. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a Jedi mask. A what? Please remember to hold on to your butts and get ready to get stressed. With your hosts, Craig Goldberg, Abigail Gardner, and Jacob Walsh. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Yes, Have Some Podcast. My name is Craig Goldberg. It's episode 162, and you know what that means. 161 was last week. Oh. Um, yeah. uh, did you Did you guys think it was like a special thing? I got I got very confused and stressed yeah. for a second. I was Me like, what was I supposed to do something? Like, is this special? What, is, what's there, is this like an event? It's always special when I'm here with my co-host, Abigail Gardner. Seven more episodes to 169. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was the event. Uh, well, that's going to be a good what one. What are we doing for that? Uh, probably Bill and Ted. Cool. Uh, Jake, what's up, man? No, not too much. Hey, do you guys I, – I just want to run something by you guys really quick. Okay. Do you know – Do you? so we had a, I had a movie on at work today. Nice. Cool. And I was thinking, do you know what movie is so much better than it really has any business being? It's Space Jam. Uh, what? No way. Well, like, don't Get you out think, of town. Like, well, listen, listen. If you if you think about the plot, so like on paper, if you look at the plot of Space Jam, like, hey, we're going to take a bunch of basketball stars and have them act opposite of a bunch of cartoons. That sounds dumb, right? Like, doesn't mm-hmm. that sound like I'm not going to watch that? But that movie's so good. Bill Murray is really good in it. Larry, he is so funny in that. Larry Bird is weirdly funny in it for some like, reason. It, it's weird because like I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, Michael Jordan is awful. He is aw- he is yeah. not a good actor. But it's like it part of it has to do with like the soundtrack was really good when that came out. Like everybody loved the Space Jam soundtrack. There's a lot of good actors in that. Wayne Knight is very funny in that. Uh Danny DeVito does a voice and like Bill Murray's scenes are very like Vankman like there's a there's that one scene where uh, when Michael Jordan first disappears, Wayne Knight's character is like taking a picture of him and Bill Murray's like he says something like, what kind of camera is that? Yeah. And then he, he's like, don't point that at me. And he knocks it out of his hand. Um, I that, just I'm just like this whole thing. The whole idea of this movie sounds awful. It sounds like it yeah. would be bad, but it the but the movie's so good. Now I've always thought it was bad, but I think I, I almost want to go back and watch it now that you're saying it is good. It's so funny. Like it's I don't know, it's man. It's like kind of how just, I feel about Batman Forever. Where it's like, when I was a kid, maybe, here's, yeah. here's the thing. When I was a kid, like this sounds weird to be a kid and think this, but I liked anytime it was just the humans, I loved it, and I didn't really like the cartoon parts as much. Oh, um, that is it is weird, but it's because I was like, it's because of what you just said. Like Murray is very Bill or a very uh, Peter Venkman esque yeah. in his uh, his delivery and the way he carries himself, and he wears that whenever, giant umbrella hat. Whenever, whenever Bill Murray randomly shows up on the court 
and like there's no reason for him to be there or how he got there. And and uh, the monster that's voiced by Danny DeVito goes, I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this picture. <laughs> See, now it's like, yeah. like it's my that favorite movie. Funny. No, that I is like so it. funny. Well, I mean, I well, I, it's yeah. weird. We Jake, should do it, like but we should we should all rewatch it and do like a bonus episode on Spaceship because it's a weird like I don't know. It should be awful, but it's you're saying it's enjoyable. Treat. It's a real treat. It is, yeah. I like that. Well, uh, when I was a kid, I would get mad that it was inaccurate. Like all the baseball scenes, I was like, "That's not what the, this is not what happened." I was a, <laughs> I kept up with Michael Jordan's career. Lola Bunny. That, I couldn't find the name. I liked her. I was into Lola. Yeah. She's alright. Cool. Uh, I have a Lola Bunny uh, coffee mug that says, uh, don't ever call me doll. Mm-hmm. And I love it. So I like Space Jam just by like the things I own that mug. from it and that time in my life. But I, <laughs> I have not gone back and watched it and like given it a good like, you know, a, a good viewing. So maybe I need to. There, there are, there's some bad performances, but then there are a few performances that it's like, this is Space Jam. Why Why were they bringing this kind of heat in Space Jam? I'll, I'll put it this way. It's Michael Jordan's best movie. <laughs> <laughs> and the sequel is being made right now, and we won't talk about that because it's blasphemous. Um, but LeBron James is in it. Uh, but if they can get Bill Murray back, maybe it'll be funny. Listen, everybody, welcome mm-hmm. to episode 162 of Yes, Have Some Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a lot going on in our lives. Coming up here in a little bit, we've got our interview. We don't always do interviews, but sometimes you got to have somebody on who's going to give you a little knowledge and yeah. kind of take you down memory lane. And that's what we did. It felt like an actual job interview because all the things we were talking about was this person's like work experience. Yeah. I'd it felt kind of like a course. It kind of felt like I could probably go work for a tell now i know about you know what i mean it felt like and intellectual properties and slicensing the slicensing you're all gonna find out what that is jake we want you to go relaunch maddie collector with your new law uh your new uh knowledge that you have Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i could i probably could right so we have our interview with scott knightlick if uh you probably remember him if you are a ghostbusters toy collector he was the toy guru he started and ran maddie collector uh for basically the entire run and we've been talking about the mattel ghostbusters figures a lot lately and uh i'm nostalgic for it which is it's weird when you're nostalgic for things that happened in your adult life Mm -hmm. but i've now been an adult (laughs) longer than i was a child so i'm Mm -hmm. longing for the early days of adulthood uh (laughs) Uh, so Scott was great. It's a long interview, but it's, there's a ton of really cool information in there. Learned a lot of stuff I didn't yeah. learn, uh, or didn't know. Learned and the background on like how the barge works basically. And like, uh, that kind that of, whole, like, yeah. Plan type of yeah. the subscription, subscription stuff. Service, yeah. yeah. And Scott was a really nice guy and, uh, uh, I really enjoyed talking with him. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, so that's going to be coming up. Um, but we got to, you know, I don't know, do a little stress do here. Do our thing. Here's the thing. I want to let everybody know about this. Yes, Have Some Podcast is doing our very first ever live podcast event. It is happening at DragonCon 2019. Mm. It is going to happen Saturday, 1 p.m. In the Marriott, M103 is the room. It is the uh, sci-fi American classics track. Uh that's the room it's in. Yes, have some podcasts live. One o'clock after the parade. You're done with the parade. Make your way right over to the panel room. We are going to be talking. We'll do our group photo there. So we'll do something. <laughs> Come on. Come, that's my big plan. Uh, I always direct everybody. One year I had everyone following me for to the photo spot and I didn't know where I was just going. Just walking. <laughs> just walking. 
Um, No, it's going to be good. Uh, So we're going to do YHS Live. We're going to be talking about Ghostbusters 3. We're going to be talking about Gremlins. We're going to be doing a little stress. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. So we are very, very pumped for that. And uh, we're going to be around Dragon Con all weekend. And in the next couple uh, weeks, we'll be talking more about the PKE surge schedule. Um, But go ahead and mark your calendars. And when the app comes out for Dragon Con, put a big old star next to Yes, Have Some Podcasts Live, Mm -hmm. 1 p.m. Saturday at Dragon Con. Jake, uh, what's your excitement level? You ready to to talk with these people? I'm I'm talking about Cruise Shadows the entire time. (sighs) I'm hoping. I mean, I might not. I just might not show up. You know. Yeah, but Jake. Jake's gonna be, be in line much. for the Crew Shadows concert. My <laughs> here's the thing. I have a feeling there's a chance we could just do an hour of. We could literally like just do Dragon Con stress, and that would be a that would be the live show. Yeah. Like, because right. Dragon we Con- talk about all the weird things that have happened to us at Dragon Con, or mm-hmm. experiences about when we decided it's. Two in the morning. Let's see what the drum circle is like. Yeah. Hey, we've been going to Dragon Con for twelve years. Let's go see what the drum circle room is like. Um, yeah, we can. Like we can. The there's so room. many things we could talk about. Like, I, I know the title is you know Ghostbusters, Gremlins, and kind of you know sequels. But I'm like, how much? How <laughs> how much of this time are we going to spend? talking about just random that's, stuff. Here's the thing. That's be, the whole thing. That's how you get people in the door. Yeah. You okay. get people in the door, you give them the big the big names. Um, yeah, but well, then we do know. We should have we should have <laughs> put Deadpool in there. We should have been like Oh fuck. You're right. Deadpool panel. Deadpool costume tutorial. We should have we should have named our panel the <laughs> we should name our panel John Barrowman signing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh it's an even an hour of folks. Just a <laughs> Meanwhile, let's talk about Cobra Kai because uh, wait, speaking of Cobra Kai, I'm actually very stressed because Ralph Macchio and the guy who played Johnny Lawrence and uh, the guy who played John Kreese, they're all going to be at Dragon Con. It was just announced. And I want to get a photo with them. Big Karate Kid reunion. God, I went to, did I ever tell you guys about the time I went to, uh, I went to the Sundance and the Slamdance Film Festival and I saw, I saw a movie that Ralph Macchio was in and it was in, so Slam dance is like Sundance is like the big, you know, uh, with all the like artsy movies and all the mm-hmm. bigger movies. Slam dance is like kind of the smaller uh, thing that goes on in the same location at the same time. Okay. And I was watching a movie that Ralph Macchio was in and he was sitting like two rows in front of me because it's like you're not even in a real theater. It's slam dance. You're just in like rooms and they would just project it and the movie i i i got the program somewhere i can go figure out what the movie was it was the worst thing i saw and he was so excited to sit there and watch it and he seemed so happy and he was such a nice dude and he was just so excited to be there the movie sucked wait was it called i don't know I, i would have to go find my pro that was like that was like 10 years ago. I would have to find the program and and look through and see what the movie was called. But are you was, sure it was called uh, slam dance and not the all Valley karate tournament? You're attending. <laughs> 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 oh, but that's great because that reminds me of other experiences of us watching movies with the person who starred in them or directed like close yeah, by. Weird, right? Scott Hall. 
was like sitting in the same row as us. Jake the Snake? Or Jake the Snake. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was. And Paul Feig was in our theater when we watched Dance for the Call for the first time. So that's a similar experience. I don't think he stayed. You don't think? Uh, probably not. No. I would have gotten out. So listen, uh, <laughs> Dragon Con, 1 p.m. Saturday. We're going to be plugging it hard for the next couple weeks, but we want everybody to be there. If you're going to be at Dragon Con, come hang out with us, and uh, it's going to be fun. Maybe we'll take some questions from the audience. Mm-hmm. People can try to, like, I don't know. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, and then Abby is, uh, what do you got going on here? Hey, am I going to announce my own thing? Yeah. Sure. I am going to be at, uh, I'm kidding, I'm, like, nervous. I'm excited. All right, come on. Okay, you can do it. I'm so honored. Uh, <laughs> no, I uh, was added to a panel called Awesome Women in Digital Media. Don't know why they didn't add me, but... Don't know why Jake and Craig aren't going to be on it. I think they should, uh, you know, storm out. But yeah, it's uh, it just it says meet some of the best women in the digital media industry. Get inspiration and motivation no matter your gender or identity from leaders in the field. So, hey, I'm a leader. Uh, and one of the other people on this panel is a doctor. So I'm very excited. Ooh, so and now you're a doctor. So now hey, I am a doctor. Let me ask you this. Is this your revenge for not being on the Jurassic Park panel? Last <laughs> 100%. She, she set this up. I said, put me on something that they can't do. Uh, so <laughs> it's just me. Uh, I'm actually, I'm excited about this. I don't feel like I'm going to have to prepare. I feel like I'm probably just going to be talking about like what we do, which is, uh, you know, Squeeze stress balls and record a podcast. What do we do? do Talk to people about toys. Here's a question: What the fuck are we doing? doing? Why did (laughs) I just sneaking on the panels and shit? (laughs) Hey, I'm gonna spend the entire time at DragonCon seeing how many panels I can just like weasel my way onto. (laughs) Ah, that's such a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, I'm supposed to be here, dude. Panels for shit. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Why did we just spend an hour on the phone with? The guy who ran Maddie Collector. Like, Maddie. What, are we, what are we doing with our lives, man? I love it, man. I think I'm, he works for us now. He does. I hired him. It was a job <clears> interview. We're doing Yes Have Some Toys, uh, but we're going to be reusing all of the tooling available. So it's going to be- Oh, wait. We can do that. Courtroom Abby. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ready to believe you, Jake. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm just going to be uh, Vigo. Cool. Gypsy, Gizmo, and Jonesy are the unproduced terror dogs. <clears throat> Spoilers. Whoa, shit. Take that out. I won't. Sorry, guys. Can't edit. I have no interest in editing this uh, podcast. Um, we did okay. when we started. So I'm, ex- I'm excited about Dragon Con very much. And yeah. uh, I, uh, guys, I got, a, I got a little story for you. I was, uh, my day job, I was shamed today by somebody. Oh. oh. Okay. What happened? So yeah. this girl who I don't know really well, she was like, hey, you like Ghostbusters. And I was like, are you, do you want to fight? Like, what, what do you want to say to me about it? Um, <laughs> I was wearing one of my new Fright Rags Ghostbusters shirts, which I don't, I'm not going to lie. I look really, Spoiler alert. I have the same one. I looked really good. And good um, she was like, oh, I got to tell you something. Me, she's like, me and my boyfriend were at this estate sale. We found this uh, like, like little Slimer action figure toy from the 70s. And I went like, oh, uh, no, you didn't. Was like, no. Wrong, wrong. <laughs> So I said, I was like, oh, did you? You liar. You get the fuck out of here. Liar. Like, Take your lies and your deceit and get away from me. And if I ever see you again, uh, actually, I contained myself, but I did like, I had to like a little while later, I was like, actually, actually, 
I was God, like, I hope I hope the story is going where it's like literally a Slimer that you could go buy right now or something. No, it was it was actually the Kenner. Um, we actually had a good conversation about it. She's like, well, we got it for a dollar. It was missing some of the meat. And I was like, oh, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the Kenner Green Ghost action figure series one from the ghost line of Kenner's The Real Ghostbusters action figures <laughs> from 1986. So get your 1970s bullshit out of my <laughs> fucking face. Um, no. Uh, she sold it. it. That's that's not where the shame came in. Okay. We a little so while. She shamed you. It's coming up. Okay. Later on, minutes later, she was walking out. She goes, "Oh, I went to the Ghostbusters firehouse when I was in New York. Have you ever been there?" And I, Ooh. I put my head down and I said, "You've already upset me once." I said, "I actually." I've never been to the the firehouse in Tribeca. I've never been to the Ghostbusters firehouse. And she looks at me and she goes, oh, I thought you were a real fan. And just walked away. So she got you. What I want to say to her is if you ever try to sell an incomplete Slimer on eBay again, (laughs) I'm going to bid up on it so high that I will not pay you. Over and over again, I will start new eBay. Go back to the 70s. Yeah, so get back. To, oh, really? Which which episode of that '70s show was your Slimer from, ma'am? Um, honestly, she's so nice. I hope she never listens. She's like one of the nicest people in the world. Um, I embellish this story just a At little bit. At least we like it. Um, but listen, '70s Ghostbusters. This isn't Alice we're talking about here. No, man. I um, guess I guess we should go to the firehouse. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. Jake, I mean, you've been there. It's on our list. I have been there. Yeah, but we've never been there together. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't I've been, count. I've been there once and I spent the long, the longest amount of time I could before the people I were with were like, okay, like, let's get the fuck out of Wait, here. Wait, didn't you go there? Like, you dropped your kid off at school in your ecto and then you went there <laughs> oh, on your birthday? birthday. <laughs> was that you? No. Guys, I'm being saucy you tonight. Are. Yeah, you um, are. Abby, tell the Alice story. Oh, yeah. Uh, we actually talked about that in our interview. We picked up um, Migos has a, a line that the soft like Migos? 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 the rapper <laughs> uh the stir fry no sorry everyone um i'm talking about the uh Migo, the action figures that you can find at target they're based on like a lot of 70s shows like the brady bunch um real ghostbusters real ghostbusters uh charmed a couple other shows whatever they're on deep discount right now they're all like four dollars and craig and i have I guess an interest in the Alice, like, because we we were once in a Target. Alice from Brady Bunch. Alice from the Brady Bunch, yeah. We were having, like, a like a difference of words, Craig and I, and we saw somebody returning the Alice, and we felt like we both, like, we ended up, we stopped fighting because it was so funny. We were both acknowledged the fact that somebody was returning an Alice. So we ended up buying an Alice figure, which was on discount uh, in the past couple days for, like, $4 from Target and took it home. And since then... Uh, we've, we've just been, um, threatening to fire her because she hasn't done anything around the house. So I shared that on our Instagram story, uh, yesterday. And I think a lot of people were sympathetic to Alice. It's kind of like an elf on the shelf situation. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to put her on the roof, be like Alice on the palace and just like (laughs) every day you wake up and she's in a different spot, (laughs) vacuuming, you know, wishing Sam would propose. Yeah. And, uh. Guys, I tried to rewatch the Brady Bunch, uh, like the TV show. Yeah. It sucks. It doesn't hold up. But the movies are great. I was you know? obsessed with it as a kid because it would come on after uh, the Batman TV show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, have you uh, have you bought anything uh, better than Alice lately? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm trying to think here. I don't think I have. I've been um, I've been keeping it kind of toned down. Not been buying a whole lot since we got Dragon Con coming up and <clears throat> stuff like that. Um, that that one week of you know Comic Con and and Chronicle Collectibles and realizing I'm like okay I'm on some payment plans now. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think I bought anything. I'm trying. I'm sitting here trying to think. Uh, I no. I don't think I've bought anything. I bought a last thing I bought was the NECA Rodan figure from the new from Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, I found that at GameStop, but that's the only thing. Dang. Dang. I'm oh, depressed God. now. Yeah. What the fuck? I'm going to Walmart. Dude, please buy As soon as we're done. I, better... been, I have been like on the lookout for Halloween stuff is starting to come out. And I have been buying like a few Halloween decorations here and there, but those are not really the kind of things that we talk about. <laughs> we, we could talk about your Halloween decorations. We could talk about it's it. Nothing, nothing fancy. I just hope nobody's space. driving. <laughs> uh, um, let's, um, let's talk about uh, Halloween Horror Nights. So uh, we're going to be going down to Orlando for Horror Nights in October, not giving out the exact date uh, because, well, frankly... I'd like to not be mobbed by by the millions. <laughs> After the one person that recognized us last year. Yes. Did I somebody assume... recognize us last year? I feel like it. I oh, it was jo- in line. In line. We were yeah. in line and somebody knew who we were, yeah. I was like, sir, I was like sir, sorry, I'm with my family. No pictures. That was fun. No, that was cool. No, we're going to be, we, we're, we're locking down our plans. We'll let everybody know when, when we're going to be there. But uh, we're going to be down at Horror Nights. And uh, obviously, they've got Ghostbusters this year, Universal Monsters, Stranger Things. They just announced Us is going to be a house. Oh my god! I'm excited about that, dude. Yes, because like even if like even if Us wasn't as good as Get Out or whatever, like I feel like there's a lot you can do with it that would make a cool house. You can form the chain of people for sure. I'm excited that it's that and not like I didn't. I, I I don't think Us is the best movie ever. It was fine, but I but I'm I would be more excited about seeing a house based on that than like you know another Blum house. Like you know that what that that house we went to last year that was like Happy Death Blum, Day. Happy Death uh, Day house really was it was really bad. Which by it. the way, which by the way, since then I have watched the both of the Happy Death Day movies, and the first one's not bad. Um, but that house was really bad. So like, I'm excited that it will be something, you know, it at least be something fun. I am bummed out that this creep show house is only in Hollywood. Oh yeah. I'm, like, I'm not happy about that at all. Yeah. But I wonder what, I wonder if to compensate, like there's going to be a house that's Florida only and not in Hollywood. What would be like an ideal, like if you could pick a whole, like we've always said Ghostbusters, is there like. You know, I don't think they would ever do this. And I think, it, like, maybe they have done it. I don't know. Have they ever done, like, an alien house? Or aliens? I don't know, but that'd be great. That would be alien, cool. I think alien would be perfect for a house. I would like to see a house that's just a Stephen King house, and each room is a different Stephen King movie. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised. Well, maybe there's rights issues, but I think an it house is, like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It, I mean, that's a. I, I think that's definitely a possibility for this year. Yeah, or an overlook. Like, well, we did. There was a shining. I mean, they did shining. Yeah, yeah we did but, that. But like, just in the same way that that Blumhouse was like multiple movies in one mm-hmm. house, I think that would be cool if you did the sh- if you just did 
Stephen King, and then you yeah. can do like you go a Shining garage, Room. Yeah, there could be Christine. it. Yeah, for real, like Cujo. You could yeah. do there. You know, there's there's a hundred movies you could do with Stephen King. Pet Seminary. <laughs> <laughs> Studying for all, to for the dogs. teach the Bible. Yeah, where all the dogs become ministers. <laughs> um, have uh, Jake? Have you Pet Cemetery's out now, digital and DVD? Have we rewatched it? Are we going to revisit that movie? I'm gonna. I would like to check it out again. I have not yet, though. Um, it's on my list. I would like to give it a second run. Also, Godzilla comes out on digital next week, Ooh. which seems pretty quick, but. I'm not you know what? Not quick it. enough. I need time to speed up. I'm ready for this new Ghostbusters movie. Now. And uh, let's let's just go ahead and have this discussion. Um, uh, shoots and ladders. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm so annoyed with this ladder thing. Um, oh, I right. have stayed so far Do away we, from this. I don't want to get any spoilers right we're, now. We're not going to spoil anything. It's not okay. a spoiler. This okay. is not a spoiler. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Hold on. I got I to readjust here. He's readjusting the table. I gotta get. I'm, this is very serious. Okay. Okay. You don't just talk to Maddie Collector people. <laughs> it takes a village, people. I don't know what that means. Um. It takes the village people. It takes the village people. What if the village people were in that movie, The Village? Like that was the big reveal. Like they go to the outside of the forest, and it's just like the YMCA. Okay. Okay. That would be amazing. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. I watched that. But um, if it was like uh, Wayne and Garth. She's like, oh my god. It's like, oh, what is? It's a construction worker. <laughs> and an Indian <laughs> and a police officer. Okay. Okay. Um, so what's happening? I guess we need to address this in, in some form. There is um there's a lot of set photos and leaks happening from the new Ghostbusters movie, which happens. Like they're filming in a public area, there's people around, people taking pictures. Uh we kind of made a vow that we're not gonna be anything that's not an official release, we're not going to be like sharing it or reposting it. There's, there's a million other places where that's happening, but, um, it's no secret that some pictures of the Ecto one were, were out this week from, from the set. It was driving around. Who knows what it was? They could have been doing tests. They could, I didn't see any cameras. I don't know. The Ecto one was driving up and down the road. Very cool. Uh, Spoiler alert, it's the Ecto-1. It was, it's, the, it's a dirtier, older version of the Ecto-1. And it sparked a lot of discussion, a lot of angry discussion, a lot of weird like people just talking about, this isn't right, and why aren't the windows tinted, and why isn't the ladder on the right? And it, it was just, and it was like, why isn't it the Ecto-1A? Why isn't there a Ghostbusters 2? Like, it was just all this stuff. And it, and it got to the point where, Jake, I know you made a Facebook post about it, just kind of being like, hey, everybody, calm down. But Jake, well, I want to give my, you a floor for, for, to, to, okay. to drive home the point that you were making. Okay, well, my there have been a lot of people complaining, and I think it's pretty dumb. And then you also got another group of people that are, com- that are complaining that people are complaining about the people complaining, which that is just stupid. But my <laughs> – the reason I made a post, I don't post a whole lot on Facebook. My whole reason that I made this post was it doesn't matter that something is, quote, wrong on the car. Because the point is, is that this is Ghostbusters 3 and it's in the movie. Therefore, it is not wrong. It's just canon. Any changes that are made, that's what the car is now. When when Ghostbusters 2 came out, 
I'm not sure what it was like, but were people like the car's wrong? <laughs> no, it's just different because it's this is the car in part one. This is what the car looks like in part two. In part three, which takes thirty years, you know, t- takes place thirty years past the first one. The car was already an old piece of shit in the first movie. Things change. Things break. Sometimes you have to move the ladder around the car to get to the top of the other side of the car. And who are you going to call? It's just not yeah. It's not wrong. It's canon. It's now canon. It's just different from the first movie. The oh, other, shut the fuck up. The other discussion I... Yeah, well said. Thank you, Jake. The other discussion that I keep seeing people like, well, I thought... Does this mean that there was an Ecto-1 and an Ecto-1A and they were two different cars? Blah, blah, blah. It's just like... Maybe. Maybe. Who cares? But who cares? And also, the people who are like, well, I at least hope they have a scene that explains why the ladder's on the other side. I was like, <laughs> I bet they don't. <laughs> I, yeah, that's what we want. That's what... Hey, Ghostbusters 3, first time in 30 years we're getting a true sequel to Ghostbusters. I want them to waste time on telling me why Ray had to get to the top of the other side of the car. Like, seriously, it's, it's like, Jeez. this is what I said, uh, the script for this movie is probably, you know, 100, 110 pages, maybe 120. Every word is valuable. Every scene, every moment <laughs> is valuable. But if we could just get a Am cold I on open. crack or is that a good logo? He's, it's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like C-3PO. I, you might not recognize me because the ladder's on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't explain why C-3PO's arm was red until the comic books like six months later. So if we could just get an Ecto prequel that. Um, yeah. I Tell think e- about that one day that Ray had to. To chase, I don't know, to get a sandwich out of his bag and move the ladder over. Hey, I think Ectotron showed up from Planet Vulcan uh, or wherever he lives yeah. and uh, switched around the ladders just as a goof. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to see what we do. And look at us now. We're all fighting. Uh, I still think it's not nearly as bad as it was in 2016, but I was just, I was talking to Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart from the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, and boy, I'm not going to lie. I told them, man, it's going to be a long year if this if if this is where we're at right now. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully um, we won't positively. <laughs> I don't want any more set leaks. I don't want to see anything. I, I don't, don't either. But unfortunately, the only way that we're not going to see set leaks is to just stay off of the internet or to unfriend every single person that we are friends with on Facebook and Instagram because we. We have too many Ghostbusters friends to not see this. It's just going to happen. I've been trying to steer clear of. I unfollowed. I'm in a. I, I'm in a few like Stephen King groups on Facebook, and I have I had to unfollow a few because I'm starting to see like spoilery yeah. pictures from it, and well, you know it's only a month out, and I don't want to see anything else, and. I'm like sitting here thinking like there's there's I can kind of control it with it. Yeah. It's not going to we're we're 100 percent. We have to get it in our heads right now. We are we are not going into Ghostbusters three spoiler free. We're not. It's not. There's no way we could do that. I think we get a bunker like in Cloverfield and we stay underground. Nobody gets online. <laughs> I could I could I could I can imagine like seven months from now we're doing the show and we're still like. We're our Ghostbusters three knowledge ends tonight. 
and, every, and everyone else is listening to the show and they're like, guys, you are wrong. You are wrong. <laughs> We're just like, okay, so we don't know anything past the ladder, but w- here's what I, we're actually like speculating on it. Yeah, everyone else knows the plot of the movie at this point. Right. There's Every like leaked, actor. There's leaked there's pictures. Trailers. Not, not sure yeah. the story behind the ladder yet. But. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but anyways, fil- filming's still underway uh, and uh, not a whole lot of uh, news <clears throat> other than, uh, you know, we're not, we're, there's there's been a couple other things that leaked out, but we're not even going to talk about them here. It's, just, it's nothing major, but it, it's definitely spoiler territory. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, of course it's great to see the Ecto. Um, and because yeah. we already saw the Ecto in the teaser trailer, we know it's going to be in the movie. It's like it's kind of like okay, whatever. But you know, I don't want to see uh, uh, Bill Murray with a slime blower on uh, leaked picture or something. Um, yeah, you know, or or whatever. Like, and then there's all these people like, oh, Bill Murray was on set, and Dan Aykroyd's on set. Like, whatever. Yeah, we we don't we don't know. We don't want to know. We don't know. What's better is to go to McKenna Grace's Instagram, watch her stories, and she's been going to like Toys R Us with what's the uh, Logan. Logan Logan Kim Logan Kim. Thank you. Her and Logan Kim have been going and frequenting Toys R Us's in uh, Calgary because they they're still open, and it's I like that shit. I like to see them hanging out, and it makes me more excited for the film. So yeah, better not be. I don't want to see a ladder. I don't want better bunch of. Better not be a bunch of junior Ghostbusters running I hope, around. I hope I hope Finn Wolfhard's driving the goddamn Ecto. Me too. Yeah. I hope he's like, and I hope he's made up a song. He's like, Stranger, Stranger I, Things, Ghostbusters, I, as happened no, to me. I, I hope it's that scene. No, I hope it's like the scene from Batman and Robin where Robin steals the uh, the Batmobile. Oh, and Batman he's like, Batman forever. He's like, I'm Batman, you know? Finn Wolfhard's like, I'm I'm a Ghostbuster. And people yeah, are like, what? Like, and then that guy from Batman Forever's like, that ain't Peter Vinkman. Yes. That ain't the Egon. The Egon. That ain't the Egon. That ain't the Egon. <laughs> ah, sorry, I forgot my jumpsuit. That's canon now. The Egon. Because it's canon. Um, by the way, Abby, you posted a picture uh, of Finn Wolfhard. I didn't Wolfhard, post it. Or you sent I sent me- it to you. The I found a picture of Finn Wolfhard on Instagram that was from a fan account that was from a recent I don't magazine I don't know something he was doing um, and it was a black and white photo of him and he's like laughing and smiling with his eyes half closed and he looks just like Harold Ramis. There's a photo from uh, Ghostbusters' daughter uh, by Violet Ramis Steele and I went and had to pull that book off the shelf and like leaf through it to find the photo so I could take a picture of it and send you like the side by side because they look so so similar their hair length is at like that big bushy beautiful spot whatever i looked at that picture i was like that ain't the egon that ain't the egon (laughs) Um, (laughs) dude the other thing is is like i still have to pinch myself that we're getting a new ghostbusters movie yeah it's crazy it's It's crazy well listen guys let's get to this interview with scott uh the toy guru nightleg who uh we we spent a lot of time with him learning about the toy industry, learning about Maddie Collector. Before we sign off and get to the interview, any other other, uh, news uh, or notes? Uh, Cool. Well, before we get to the interview, we do want to let everybody know that Patreon is a thing. If you want to become part of the Yes Have Some Patreon community and get in on all of these bonus episodes, you're going to go to patreon.com slash yes have some. Sign up for $5 a month. You are going to get in on the bonus episodes. You also immediately will get access to our complete archive of bonus 
content. That's patreon.com slash yes, have some new bonus episodes coming this month. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I want to do like an hour with Chase Ambrose. I want to get him drunk and just record with him for an hour and just see and put it out as a bonus episode. Well, yeah. all we have to do is just we'll just do that at DragonCon. We could just we'll just interview him for between the hours of 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. Saturday yeah. night of DragonCon. It'll be perfect. Cool. Um, so make yeah. sure you check out Yes Have Some Patreon. Uh, thank you so much to all of our new signups and thank you to everybody for supporting. Uh, we absolutely Cannot thank you enough for the support. We really yeah. appreciate it. And uh, while you're at it, make sure that you check us out on social media at YHS Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, the official Facebook community, the Facebook group, Yes Have Some Group Therapy. Abby, how do you get there? So easy. You log into Facebook, search for Yes Have Some Podcast. You will find our page. You will scroll down and see Yes Have Some Podcast Group Therapy pop up as an option. We have over 600 members at this point. I am super pumped on that. So you should become one of them. Click ask to join and either myself, Craig or Jake will accept you. And from there on, you could just post some quality content and share whatever you're stressing about, whatever toys you want, whatever movie you want to see or whatever book you're reading. You could talk about it with us. And uh, yeah, we're here for you. It's a good space. So join up. Absolutely. All right. Well, Having said all of that, let's get to the interview coming up right now from Maddie Collector, former marketing manager for Mattel, Scott Knightlick, the toy guru, talking Ghostbusters and the history of Maddie Collector right here on Yes, Have Some Podcast. Thank you, everybody. And on to the interview. I want to think about the interview. All right, everybody. Welcome to Yes, Have Some Podcast right now. The former Maddie Collector, Marketing Director and Manager, Scott Knightlick, better known to the toy community as Toy Guru, or formerly The Toy Guru. Scott, welcome to Yes, Have Some Podcast. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. It's always a thrill to talk to toy fans and talk toy. Talking toys. Um, we we try to... We, we know, speak toy. We speak toy. We always have. Uh, but no, we really appreciate you... Uh, taking a few minutes to hang out with us. We obviously are giant Ghostbusters fans. We're toy collectors. We're very, uh, you know, we, we could talk for hours about our favorite Ghostbusters toys all the way from real Ghostbusters to Mattel to all the new stuff. But um, I guess before we kind of start getting into it, uh, for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with you or uh, what you do or your history, um, why we talk to you about Ghostbusters toys, maybe you could... Uh, Fill us in how you how you first got involved in the toy business. Why would you? Why would anyone talk to me? Um, <laughs> so let's see. Well, I I got in the toy the I guess officially in the toy business about uh, two thousand and five when I was first hired at Mattel. I had essentially been knocking on their door for years. Uh, growing up in Southern California, Mattel was right off the freeway, and I'd always see that big red gear. My father actually had a colleague at when, growing up whose husband was an executive at Mattel and used to bring us, uh, you know, like random Mattel toys sometimes when we'd visit my father's office. So I always kind of knew Mattel in the background that it was there. And after college, I started applying and immediately was told to pound sand and that I had to get some like an uh, engineering degree if I wanted to go into toy making which I knew was not going to happen because I'm not an engineer in any way. (laughs) 
So I went into medical uh, uh, medical marketing, essentially, uh, marketing pharmaceutical products and doing uh, – I was boring. I was on a glaucoma account for four years. I could tell you more about glaucoma than you ever didn't want to know. Cool. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll have you next week on our uh, pharmaceutical podcast. Can't wait. So <laughs> many excellent, questions. Excellent. As long as, as long as we're covering hairless cats, that's fine. Perfect. That's <laughs> so, what our specialty is. Uh, this is one of my interests, actually. So, uh, yeah, so, so essentially, I kept sort of knocking on Mattel's door, and eventually, it was actually through San Diego Comic-Con that I had my portfolio with me. It was actually to share with someone completely different, but I wound up in a one-on-one meeting with a brand manager at Mattel who was working on the Justice League Unlimited line, which I was also a huge, huge fan of that toy line. And I was so I was showing you my portfolio, and I never really thought about this, but medical marketing and toy marketing overlaps in the sense that they both have a lot of regulations, legal regulations for safety. Okay, and the that fact makes sense. That I was yeah. So so the fact that I was skilled at navigating the legal aspects of marketing through pharma. Was that was a skill set Mattel was actually looking for? So, which again, I would have never really thought that was my foot in the door. And I, you know, previous, I had you know, I was at Comic Con because I was a lifelong toy fan. You know, I was collecting Justice League toys and and you know, He Man toys and all sorts of stuff. So, long story short, is that got me an interview at Mattel. I wound up at Hot Wheels as a copywriter for two years, and during that time, I basically. Uh, essentially through a very odd series of events was able to connect with the general manager, Tim Kilpin, who gave me a one-on-one meeting where I pitched the idea of doing adult collector figures, essentially saying that, look, I'm spending a couple hundred bucks a month on toys and none of them are from my own company. Yeah. And, and we have some great licenses. Mm-hmm. What, what, you, what year would you say that was? This would have been like oh. Yeah. And that makes sense because people forget, like, it just kind of didn't exist. Maybe some specialty stores, comic stores, like McFarlane stuff back then. But like, for the most part, like what we have today, like, we're essentially spoiled with just the amount of toys geared towards collectors and just the sheer variety of product that's available. I think people kind of forget it was kind of a wasteland. Yeah, that adult collectible section in Target didn't exist like way back when. I mean, the the Target adult collectible section didn't exist like a year ago. Yeah, but but uh, yeah. yeah so- I mean, it, what we what we call you know like none of the Funko and Sideshow and all of these companies. Yeah, they were they were not around, and and what we were collecting were just kid toys mm-hmm. that we we as collectors wanted to buy. If you know they weren't they weren't designed for adults. They, we were just like, ooh, Star Wars toys, ooh, He Man toys. I'll buy those. So yeah, right. no, it was a very emerging market, and Mattel wasn't doing anything about it. Hasbro had, was doing was kind of not Hasbro. That was on Toy Biz had Marvel Legends, and that was you know, I think that that was really kind of the birth of adult collector was McFarlane and and Marvel Legends putting stuff out. So. Cool. Uh, yeah, so I, basically I, I made that pitch that you know, Mattel should be taking advantage of this because we had these great licenses. And they gave me a shot. They moved me from the packaging group over into marketing. I sat at literally a fold-out table with an old computer against the corner wall. <laughs> and they gave me kind of 90 days to put together a business plan. 
And I had no idea what I was doing because I'd never done a business plan, but I managed to get some help from, you know, it wasn't just me, obviously, putting Maddie together. I had uh, Jim Murphy and uh, Johnny O'Neill. There were a few people in the marketing group that really helped me put together the logistics in the beginning. And yeah, we basically then brought that to management and said, look, it's a very kind of low cost thing. We can take existing tools, which means the mold, the existing, you know, kind of figure bucks and plus them up and do more obscure characters and aim it directly at this emerging market. Mm-hmm. And I actually, Justice League was meant to be kind of the lifeblood of Maddie Collector uh, in the sense that it was at market, it was at, on, on shelf. These were the little, the, the five-inch Bruce Tim figures right. from the, the animated series. And there were so many characters in the show at that point, and the fans online were asking for so many different characters that that was what I actually thought would be what could carry Maddie Collector because we could do, you know, essentially unlimited DC superheroes with existing parts. We wouldn't need that many new arms and legs, you know, here and there, a cape. And then the idea of doing He-Man was very secondary. We just thought, well, we also have this nostalgic brand, and I was a huge He-Man fan as well. And we were just going to do six figures and call it a day. And, you know, see if we could just kind of do sort of like a little mini homage line. But that wound up really taking off and becoming much bigger than I think anyone anticipated. And that really became the lifeblood of Maddie, especially Justice League product didn't sell what I thought it would. And it kind of died off. But the He-Man line kept going. And we got to the point that we were actually becoming an asset to Mattel, where companies like Sony were coming up to us and saying, hey, we see what you're doing, and we think that something like Ghostbusters could be a part of that. And I was like, yes, I, that would be awesome. They, they approached us, and I was flipping out because Ghostbusters was a holy grail. It would never really been done movie versions of the characters. We just had the animated Kenner guys when we were kids with the little twisty uh, ectopacks and stuff and all the, all the pop-out features from the ghosts and the toilet ghosts and all that kind of stuff. So the idea yeah. of doing movie accurate yeah please no well so that's so that's really interesting so um i i'll be honest when i think about maddie collector i always think of you know obviously ghostbusters but masters of the universe but so you're originally you're thinking dc will be the lifeblood of this line and we're gonna kind of bust open this adult collectibles world and masters of the universe and the nostalgia from that is what kind of open the doors to all of these other opportunities. I guess one of my questions that I've always wondered is, I think a lot of people don't really understand, including me, um, how the toy industry works or how like retail distribution works at all. Uh, as toy collectors, it can be very frustrating, uh, you know, with, with, especially with like, uh, something like star Wars, where there's a lot of distribution issues and things like that. Um, was the decision made really early on to kind of do an online only subscription service and like what, you know, what was the thought process behind that? Well, the, the, the subscription service and, you know, kind of doing the monthly figures that really just came out of necessity when we were doing the He-Man figures, uh, the first care, you know, we did, uh, He-Man was the first, well, King Grayskull was the first to Comic-Con, but that was just kind of meant to launch everything. And then when we did He-Man, he took a while to sell out. It took like a month or two. And then Skeletor took like another month. And then when we did the third figure, Stratos, he sold out in like three days. And that was basically the turning point. 
because suddenly we had all these people screaming like, oh, I missed him. Like, well, oh, my God, I can't have straddle. Like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And then, you know, and then the other, two, you know, we were getting so much attention from the adult collector market because of that. We had to create the subscription model essentially to backfill the demand that people wanted it so much to make sure, one, they could get it. But two, that became, as you were asking, you know, bringing up about the retailers, all toy lines need a buyer in order to go forward, uh, in order to sort of pay for the production, pay for the tooling. And for every toy line you see at retail, there's probably five or six that never made it. Some make it all the way to prototypes. Some, you know, that's why you see, you know, sometimes these weird things showing up on eBay. Some things never make it past drawings. Um, you know, a lot doesn't make it past drawings and, and what we call B sheets. But there are, you know, like a, the Legion of Superheroes line for the short-lived cartoon show that made it all the way to working toys. Uh, that that you know that was supposed to ship to retail, and then retail I think got skittish on that line, and it never shipped. So that kind of thing happens all the time, and the subscription model wound up organically and in a way by fluke taking the place of retail orders. So essentially, a retailer who they're shown, you know, take something like Marvel Legends, you know, they might be shown one or two waves of figures at a meeting. And based on that, they're going to order a year worth of product. And so the same thing really was a subscription. We were showing fans, you know, the first couple figures that were done and asking them to commit to a year's worth of product. Yeah. And I think that, you know, well, I think not to interrupt, but like, I think, so you mentioned like with, with He-Man and Skeletor taking about a month or whatever to sell out, but then the third figure going quickly, there's something like psychologically different as a collector from a a one-off figure or two figures. When you have that realization that, Oh, this is going to be a complete line of figures and there's going to be continued releases. There's almost more of an urgency to buy and to, and to backfill the collection. Cause I know like, you know, if I, if there's a star Wars line or a ghostbusters line or whatever, and it seems like it's a one-off, I may or may not get it, but uh, like what NECA is doing now with the Ninja Turtles line, I I, I know they're going to be putting out four, eight, 12 figures a year. And I have that like anxiety months before they're even out that like, you can't just, fall behind. You can't. If you fall behind, you're, you're, you're done. You're dead in the water, Jake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no respect. <laughs> no, you, you really, really said it actually very well. And especially because, you know, the figures are out for, you know, a, a, a limited time and you've got to buy them now or you're not going to have a complete collection. And one of the things that anytime I was pitching a new line, whether it was retailer or online, whether I was talking to toy executives or retailers or licensors, a term I always used was there was this, uh, I guess, sort of unwritten rule between toy manufacturer and adult collector that if we're going to put out a line. We have, uh, uh, we owe you a full shelf. Meaning, you know, a great example is you know what Mattel wound up doing with Thundercats after I left. You know, they didn't, they didn't, they barely started it. And to me, that's really hurtful because if you're asking people to buy into a line 
exactly like you said, you're not expect that they shouldn't be. Our shelf space is very limited wherever we display our toys. Yeah, it is. And Mm -hmm. if you're asking someone to buy it and commit one of their few shelves to display your product, you better give them a really good display. Yeah, no, completely. Like, because there's something, and I do think it is like for collectors, especially there's a very, um, you know, psychology and marketing kind of go hand in hand. And it's kind of what you're talking about right now. Um, If you, if you, if there's a new line of figures coming out and I'm, if I'm excited about it and I go to the store, obviously not Toys R Us anymore. um, It's basically down to Walmart, Target and GameStop. Um, uh, If, if I just see one or two pieces of the line and I don't see the complete vision in front of me, I'm less likely to, to want to pursue, you know, cause it's expensive too. I mean, most figures these days, 25, 30, $35 a pop. That's a, it's a big commitment. Um, but I'm also a psychopath who just buys everything and then regrets it later. Uh, but that's a different story. Oh, I, Hey, you're, 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 you're talking to, to, uh, someone very similar. Okay, I cool. The same exact kind of buying. Uh, by the way, the I, just, uh, I switched over. You could hear, still hear me. Okay. On the phone. Yeah. 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 Oh, great. Great. Cool. I'm just switching over to a battery pack so I didn't run out of juice while we talk. Cool. Very cool. Um, okay. So, uh, Masters of the Universe is kind of rolling. You guys are getting the monthly subscription going with Maddie Collector. Maddie Collector is becoming a thing. People know about it in the toy industry. Uh, this is around 2007, 2008. Um, sometime in 2009, the announcements made that there's going to be this line of Ghostbusters figures. If my, I, my memory says that the Slime Degon was the first figure. It was like a Comic Con thing. Is that is that correct? Oh, yep, yep. There was uh, Egon with Slimer, who was that was not supposed to be the first figure. The, okay. The first figure was supposed to be Slimed Peter with okay. Slimer, which would have made a lot more sense. And Egon never got Slimed. Such- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the reason we had to substitute Egon is because uh, we were having trouble getting um, actor approval from Bill Murray. Oh, oh big uh, surprise. <laughs> so, yeah. He, yeah, he, he rejected the first couple head sculpts and we got to a deadline and we didn't have an approved Bill Murray head sculpt. So I think he wound up even being the fifth or sixth figure in the line. I think we did hmm. Walter Peck before we did our first Bankman oh. figure. <laughs> I would love to and see that. Uh, those, I, was yeah. ju- I was just about to say, I want to see those early Peter Bankmans. Yeah. Um, I bet he didn't even look at him. He just said, nope, pass. They probably, they probably look great. Yeah. They're probably amazing. <laughs> Um, so cool. So the announcements made, so you mentioned it earlier. We never had movie accurate Ghostbusters figures before, uh, NECA, I think in Oh three started a line of Ghostbusters figures that never went past, uh, the terror dogs, Slimer and Gozer and, and stay puffed. So they never did the actual guys. Um, so you said, yeah, earlier, they, yeah they just had the monster rights. They didn't even have the, the, they didn't have the rights to do the people. Yeah. Well, talk about that a little bit. So Sony comes to Mattel and says, Hey, we like what you're doing. Um, or, or do they even know about Maddie collector? Does Sony just say it's the 25th anniversary of ghostbusters. Do you have interest in doing figures? Like, what does that conversation look like? I mean, it definitely was Sony approaching us, which is rare. Usually it's a toy company approaching a licensor saying, here's what we'd like to do. If you would give us the license, but yes, yeah, Sony approached us both in recognition of Maddie Collector existing and seeing that as a uh, you know a very good 
uh, you know, I guess avenue to get out classic product, but it was also because they were starting development on what eventually became the female Ghostbuster movie that came out what, two years ago, three years ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, it's about um, three over three years now. So they were already that was development was already starting on what eventually became that film back then. And they were looking to lock in a toy partner for that film. So part of the contract we, that Mattel negotiated or signed or, you know, our partnership with Sony was that we were going to be able to do the classic figures on the contingency that we did a full retail line for the new movie. Okay, and just to give people perspective, this is prob these negotiations are probably happening in like oh seven, oh eight for uh, Ghostbusters three for probably two thousand ten, and it came out in two thousand sixteen and looked nothing like uh, the movie that was being developed then for all sorts of reasons that we've been talking about on this podcast for the last three years. Uh, so we, we don't have to go into that. Um, so I, I've always wondered. So. For for that kind of uh, for that kind of deal, so you say you're going to launch the classic line, and then there's going to be a full retail line. That's called a master toy license. What um? How long does a deal like that last? Like, is it something where that contract's being renewed annually, or does does do you guys have the first rights to the movie when it eventually comes out? Or do you even know? I know that's maybe more on a uh, a legal side of things. Well, it's more that there really isn't a standard, and especially fast-forwarding to now, and even fast-forwarding to two years from now, when a lot of the major deals are going to start expiring, that most of the license, the IP holders, are, are really not doing master licenses anymore. Okay. I mean, you know, you look at Star Wars and the million ways that's been split up over different companies. General Giant does action figures. Funko has their pop. Uh, well, I mean, a, a great example is the Star Wars vehicles, the the, the um, titanium series that Hasbro put out and the Star Wars Hot Wheels line were both out for episode uh, seven, right? Force Awakens. And the product was almost identical, especially out of package. Right, right. And it was hanging right now. And so the, the term that, that tends to be called in the industry is slicing as opposed to licensing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. oh, I like that. That sounds like yeah. a good horror film. Yeah, yeah. the slicing. Mm-hmm. It probably will yeah. be one day. <laughs> so oh. that, that's really the trend now is where in the back in the day, yeah, you used to have one company, a Kenner, a Galoob, a Hasbro, a Mattel, and they would get the master license and they would make all the toys from Hook or all the toys from the Flintstones movie. Now, mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone wants a toy line for their movies and, and toys are now baked into like toys used to be an afterthought. Now they're part of a marketing campaign mm-hmm. and there's really no longer where we see master toy licenses. It's more that they're, yeah, they're getting split up over many, many, many different uh, manufacturers with differences between distribution, material, articulation. You know, this guy has statues. This company can make things out of wood. This company can make things out of die cast. And you get a lot. I mean, you know, how many six-inch Kylo Rens are out there? From There's how like many different ten companies? in my house. So. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm um, looking and, at it. You know, that is that good? I don't know. I mean, it's good for somebody, not me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because we, you know, we. 
we we look at NECA. Um, we we really love that company for for what they're doing with all sorts of different lines and horror and everything. But we, you know, we get questions all the time, like how come certain companies can put out figures that are available exclusively online or at GameStop and some are at Target. Like, you know, I always tell people like, I, I don't pretend to understand the way the toy industry works or licensing works. I just know that if it's happening, there's a reason for it. That, that some, that there's a contract that says somewhere you can do this and you can't do this. Yeah, and that and it basically exactly it comes down to that new trend in slicing, where it it's no longer like they're, they're splicing up licenses not just by material articulation and scale, but by retailer. So Barnes and Noble can have a line of Star Wars vehicles that's identical to the Mattel line of Star Wars vehicles, but it's only available at Barnes and Noble. And yeah, I mean whether whether you can argue whether or not that's a good idea or a bad idea. But factually, that's why you see a lot of that is companies or IP holders are now slicing up their licenses based on where it's sold online, conventions only, Japan only. But then it's weird. You know, you look at like things like, you know, the Japanese six inch figures, but you can get them on Amazon here in the States. So it's it's very weird and it's very muddled and with with the end of Toys R Us, I think I mean yeah, there's a lot of changes going on in the toy industry. It's very very it's a very weird weird place. Yeah, and we've been um, we've been kind of discussing recently trying to figure out what will happen with the Ghostbusters line uh, for next year. Uh, obviously, there's a new movie coming out next year, and there's going to be a, a, a major toy line of some sort. Um, but we don't, you know, there's rumors that Mattel's going to do it. There's rumors that Hasbro got the license. There's rumors that Hasbro's going to do retro Kenner figures. Uh, and uh, it's all fun for us. We love speculating. But um, it's I appreciate the insight because now I feel like I know. Like, I feel like I have an inside mind to, to know. I, I know I, what slicing is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm going to be tweeting about slicing all the time now. And, you know, and I, 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 I could probably... I don't, I have no inside knowledge, you know, if you will, on who Sony's working with. But what I can probably tell you is you're going to get product from multiple companies. Oh, yeah. It's coming yeah. from all directions. Um, <clears throat> we really have no problem, problem with that. <laughs> we'll complain. There'll be pop. Yeah. Oh, there's going to be pop. I'm sorry. What happened? I said we're, we act like we're going to complain about that, but we're, we're happy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we'll buy the pops too. We'll buy it all. We'll buy it all. We'll complain, but yeah. <laughs> we're going to buy it. Uh, Scott, we do a thing around here called stress where we talk about how stressed we are about these things that we love and, and cherish. So it'll be like, oh man, I went to Target today. I was so stressed because I had to buy four Black Series figures <laughs> yep. and I wanted six. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's like therapeutic. I, it is therapeutic. But getting back to the uh, getting back to the Mattel line. So so you launched with Egon, which is a Comic Con exclusive. Um, just from an industry perspective and, and for you guys at Mattel, what, what was the response? Cause I mean, I know as a fan, I was freaking out, but, um, it kind of got me back into toy collecting in my young adult life. But, uh, what, what was that like for, for you guys internally? Well, I mean, for me personally, it was a dream come true. Ghostbusters was absolutely, I mean, it was, a, you know, like it wasn't, it was, I guess the first license that Maddie collector got versus everything else previously was existing Mattel licenses or existing Mattel IP. So, you know, like when I, when I pitched Maddie collector 
it never occurred to me that I'd be getting to work on Ghostbuster toys. So that, to, to, I mean, to me alone was mind blowing. And I was like, I can't believe I'm working on this. This is unbelievable. Um, you know, from, I mean, it definitely got, I mean, like, you know, we got the cover of Toy Fair magazine and we were getting like, you know, that kind of buzz. And the, I think the fact that for Mattel, they were actually more looking at the fact that this was going to lock them in the movie rights to the new movie. Since, um, because the old movie toys, or I'm sorry, the old, the, the, well, the cartoon toys back in the 80s was a very big, big line for Kenner. And Mattel, you know, at, at the time was essentially looking at that as like, you know, wow, like we make a couple of these, you know, low run Maddie collector figures and we're going to score this amazing evergreen, you know, kids line at retail with, with, with where basically the play pattern is very unique. It's, uh, as you sort of accomplish, it's uh, squashing your fears. It's a line about capturing ghosts. Mm-hmm. So that's a very unique play pattern for children. No other line really offers that, where it's giving kids the ability to, you know, get rid of the boogeyman in his closet. And that's one of the reasons the line did so well. That and the fact that we all the goofy action features, I think, were very popular. So as a company, that's what Mattel was excited about was. That, that this was basically a lock-in for them to what would, they hoped would be a, you know, a multi-hundred million dollar retail line for kids. Maddie Collector was, is, and always was just a side project that they let me run because I was willing to do it. Um, you know, it, it was also never my actual job at Mattel. It was always something I did, I mean, quite literally at night and on the weekends. My job was running the DC retail line. You know, I think the, the proof in the pudding for this is that is basically because when, when I left, the fact that I was never replaced, and that's because it was never a job. It was you know, <laughs> it, it's someone from you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you laugh about it now, and I mean, but you know, it's like if, if the brand manager for Hot Wheels quits, well, that immediately triggers a uh, you know a, a new hiring uh, position because they have to replace that. Maddie Collector was just something that Crazy Scott was willing to do, and, you know, because I got to work on Ghostbusters and He-Man. And so, yeah, when I left, there was no job wreck to fill, which is why Maddie Collector kind of collapsed, because it, it was never a job. It was a hobby that they let me do, essentially. So when you say low run, you're talking about just the, the sheer number of, of units produced of any one given figure, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So they were, uh, yeah, they were much lower than we would for a retail toy. So, and if you can't give exact numbers, I understand, but let's say a regular retail on the racks at Walmart target, uh, you know, fully distributed. What kind of numbers are we looking at for, for a regular toy line? Like, like, you know, Batman or star Wars or something like that. I mean, from the high end, I, I had heard that when Hasbro relaunched Star Wars in 95, they were doing like 250,000 units a figure. Right. Okay. Which is insane. So to think that's why um, it's like uh, we just watched this documentary on Netflix about the baseball card boom of the 80s and 90s and how like it was a complete racket because like the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card was worth two or $300 and Upper Deck just kept printing it. So there, there was like a million of them and they could just make more. But anyways, that's a whole other story. Um, 
So that's why uh, Power of the Force figures are like six dollars mm-hmm. and never more because there's you know a quarter of a million of every figure. Um, but when you think about something like Maddie Collector, I'm guessing the low thousands, maybe a couple thousand units for a Peter Venkman or a Ray Stance, something like that. Yeah, more or less, absolutely. I mean, it was you know, it, 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 and that's why we we had to upcharge because the lower the run, if you're if you're producing. Uh, the vendors, the factories in China have what's called an MOQ, a minimum order quantity. And anytime you're producing under that, it, it, the premium just keeps going up. And the lower the run, the higher the premium. So one of the reasons the Maddie toys cost more than retail toys is because we had to compensate for how low the run was. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I think, listen, you know, the Maddie collector forums and message boards, I, I had a lot of fun on those. And uh, I think we can all say that fans and collectors can get a little, I don't know, ins- testy. testy, insane. Uh, <laughs> Scott, I know you probably had had your fair share of of moments. Uh, we can get into that later, or or we don't have to. Uh, but uh, uh, but I think it's a, I think it's important for people to understand. You know, it's really easy to be like, you know, I can't find this figure. That's ridiculous. Or why did I have to pay more on eBay? Like, there's there's usually a reason. For, for, for whatever's happening. And, yeah, I mean, a big part of that is, yeah, well, I mean, with, you know, without retail support, you know, with, you know without, you know, Walmart's 3,000 doors or Target's 2,000 doors or Toys R Us's 1,000, you, you know, it's very difficult to find a home for product. And, yeah, when you're doing very low runs like that, you know, I think that the subscription model really helped on all ends because for Mattel, it helped guarantee i mean that was really the only like when you heard me begging people for subscriptions and stuff for all of the lines that was because that really was what was needed without that guaranteed number mattel you know, looked at i mean it was a very mattel is and wasn't still is a very big company and without the gear you know for a retail line they have to have that retail order from you know target or walmart or everybody and for the Maddie lines, we had we had our minimum that we had to hit, and without that, Mattel wasn't going to greenlight it, and they weren't going to let us produce it. That's why you saw things like the Ghostbusters and the DC subscriptions kind of dying out when we didn't hit the numbers. That's why I was always begging people so much to subscribe because it, literally that was it. Like if you want these toys, you had to step up, and we, we were breaking new ground. I mean, we were doing these kind of. I mean, it was basically almost like a Kickstarter. You look at mm-hmm. things like the sale barge and, you know, versus like Castle Grayskull or the subscriptions. And we were doing what, you know, Hasbro is doing with the HasLab, you know, 10 years ago yep. uh, when you know, like, it was kind of unheard of. It and was unheard that's of. That's also why people were a little uncomfortable because this wasn't how they were used to buying toys. Yeah. We were asking collectors to essentially play the part of a retailer mm-hmm. and invest a year in advance. And the reward for that was they were going to get these really obscure characters in collector scale. So, yeah, it was weird. It was, you know, we were breaking new ground, not even realizing what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like uh, crowdfunding a cookie monster. (laughs) That's another story for another day. Crowdfunding a cookie monster. Yeah. What are they up to? Like 100 people? Uh, Uh, It's not going well. But I've got my my sale bar just sitting right behind me. Um, oh, yeah. we, that was a big right. deal on the podcast. Yeah. We yeah. coined the term barge as like a verb. It's on, um, urban dictionary actually like to make a purchase that you can't really afford, but you justify because you're like emotionally into it. 
Um, like, wow, that's, that's great. That's not the exact title, but if you look for barge yeah. in the Urban Dictionary, yeah. like got, used in a sentence, it. it's like, oh, I barged hard on the on a uh, vintage collection X Wing today. Uh, I can't pay my cell phone bill now, but I'll deal with that later. <laughs> um, so that's um, fantastic. And yeah, two fifty yeah. for the castle. <laughs> I know. And like, the thing is, I'm not a Masters of the Universe guy, but I wanted that castle because I was like, if guys, if they do the castle and then, you know, uh, what, what's a snake mountain? Is that what it's called? The second one? I don't know. I'm a bad, yeah. I'm a bad nerd. You did good. Uh, that's pretty good. I did pretty good there. Um, but uh, never got that firehouse. Well, we tried I, to do SO1, if you remember. I'm sorry? We, we, we did it. We did. We tried to do an Ecto-1 as, a pre, as the same, the same method. Oh and yeah, it's gonna be three hundred dollars. So I want to talk about that, and I want to kind of roll that into a bigger question. So the Ecto One, um, it, it, that that was like a big thing in the community. Like, holy shit, we're gonna get this six inch scale Ecto One. It really rolls. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna have lights and electronics, and we're gonna crowdfund it. Um, and it, it fell way short. Um, which was unfortunate for everybody. So let's talk about that because I know that's probably not like your your highlight of of working at Mattel, but um, I want you to talk about that. And then did something like that or the general line of of Mattel uh, Ghostbusters, uh, you know, maybe not hitting the minimum subscriptions? Did that give Mattel some pause? Because you said earlier, like this was going to be you know, a multi, multi-million dollar franchise and we're going to roll out with this new toy line and we're going to reinvigorate all these kids from the 80s. Was there some raised eyebrows saying like maybe this line isn't as viable as we originally hoped for? You know, I, I think really the answer to that question, uh, you know, a little bit of a reality check is that nothing on Maddie Collector ever, I mean, outside of, you know, getting the Ghostbuster retail line, it really never registered with anyone in management. I mean, I used to tell people, you know, online, you know, Maddie Collector doesn't move the stock price. And, you know, that all Mattel's, you know, achievement, if you were a goal with the Ghostbusters line was to launch, you know, an entertainment, a new entertainment based kid line at retail. What we, and, and if you will, the price for doing that, was putting out a couple collector figures that, oh, Scott's willing to do that on top of his job. Great. So it was a win for Mattel. They didn't have to hire someone to do it or pay someone to do it, uh, you know, as a, a specific job. And, I mean, they obviously paid me, but that was to run the DC line at retail. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, that was, it was really just a core group of us, you know, there were designers, package designers, that were, were really excited to do things like the Ecto-1. And, you know, of course, we were crushed when it didn't happen, but none of nothing we ever did on Maddie really... I mean, again, the proof in the pudding is the fact that it was never a job. You know, it, I wasn't replaced when I left. You know, basically, that kind of sums up the sort of Mattel's, uh, you know, I guess, corporate attitude towards it. Like, hey, this is it's a great thing, but it's, you know we're only really willing to do it because the people working on it are willing to work on it in their spare time because they love toys and, you know, great. Like if it, you know, if it, as long as it's, you know, making money and breaking even and, you know, not costing us Mattel, the company, anything, you know, and one of the things that really did help shut it down was all the negativity. When, when all, when, you know, executives would Google Maddie collector in meetings on the giant screen and they would see fan sites 
you know, ripping into Maddie or me or that kind of stuff. <laughs> that was actually the only thing that ever triggered upper management was that they were seeing bad press about so, the company. I don't mean like, to well, laugh. Why are we keeping this going? I don't mean to laugh, but I, my, that my thought was negativity from the Ghostbusters community. That can't be I real. I can't believe it. <laughs> um, Toy fans, that's what we're good at. I'm sorry. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, it did. No, yeah, toy fans be, be emotional about something? I've never heard of Right. That. I can't believe it. Like freaking out and, and threatening to never buy something that you weren't planning on buying in the first Loaded place. sense of entitlement? What? Um, yeah. But Jake, I know you were heartbroken over that Ecto-1. I didn't know you back then, but I, I feel like a, a, a connected spirit from whatever that was, 2012. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, just like you kind of said earlier, <clears throat> this line was kind of also what got me back into collecting like really hardcore. Like I was super excited about the whole subscription thing. And that for me was easier to get a hold of it, especially like living in a town where there aren't a whole lot of great stores for buying toys. So I, I really like the whole subscription idea of it. Um yeah. And yeah, I mean, who wasn't like we were all bummed about that act, though. Yeah. Yeah. Because because, all you know, to to you got to have the car, <laughs> you got the Ghostbusters, yeah. you got to have the car. I mean, it's a good it's a big that that Maddie collect like that's a big line of figures. And, uh, you know, we both Craig, like we, we both own that entire line. Like it's a good line. I'm looking at it right now. It's mine's loose. Uh, Jake's is mint on card. That's where uh-huh. we differ, Scott. Yeah. N- nothing loose at all. No, no. I, I, I have the, I have the entire line still in package. Yeah. Wow. I think I just have Vigo in package still. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I never opened. I still got all my my mailers and everything. It's oh, amazing. Well, that's impressive. You have the space. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> Barely. He doesn't. He doesn't. Barely. Um. I so I actually have the entire line except for I don't have the Comic Con Zool. But I do have three test shot prototypes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one doesn't have a head. That's my favorite. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> oh, the uh, the Dana, yeah, the Dana figure. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's a great figure too. So, um, I wanted to ask you about the the retail line. So, I think it's kind of like in the history of this line, people forget about the retro uh, real Ghostbusters like Mego style figures. That I I think those were all Toys R Us exclusives. I could be wrong, um, but was that a successful part of the line and did it kind of exist outside of, of the normal Maddie collector stuff or you were super involved in that too? Um, you know, short answer, yes, with an if long answer, no, with a, but, uh, All right. it was, you know, I mean, yes, I was, that was a lot. I mean, that was another line that I pitched, um, you know, and, and handled that was kind of sort of a crossover between what I was doing at retail for DC because we had done the, the retro action figures, for the DC superheroes, and essentially because we now had this tooling for, you know, an exi- you know there's not that many acceptable scales or, or what you would call form factors for toys. You know, you get your six inch, you got your three and three fourth, you have your Mego style. Uh, I mean, now you have your pop. But so now that we had part of the pitch of doing the DC line was, I basically said, look, once we have these bodies, we could do this with a ton of properties. And Ghostbusters was kind of the first test to see if we could do that. And it just failed miserably. Um, <laughs> you know, we, Sorry. You know, we, we, we gave it to Toys R Us as an exclusive, um, essentially because every retailer 
really need that, you know, in order to buy into mainline products, all of the retailers kind of demand, uh, you know, their own line, either their own segment, their own version, you know, a subline, et cetera, et cetera. And because Toys R Us had more aisle space, when we met with them at our annual sales pitch, we were able to say, and as part of our customized program for you, you guys can be the exclusive home of Ghostbusters retro action figures. And they loved it. We loved it. We thought it'd be a huge success. And it just totally bombed. Well, I owned all of them. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm glad, you, I'm glad someone bought them. I, I, I like those <laughs> figures. I still, I actually, I do have the, the Janine and Sam Hain in package. I don't, I, it, it's, it's one of those things where I wonder if the nostalgia, because I feel like nostalgia for Ghost, like nostalgia in general is at an all time high, but I think nostalgia for Ghostbusters is as is bigger than it ever has been because like, um, like obviously I, you're not with Mattel anymore, but you're uh, you're very familiar with the toy industry. I'm sure you keep up with it. There's tons of Ghostbusters product. Um, Diamond Select uh, did a, a line of real Ghostbusters figures last year. Uh, that according to them did extremely well. So there's part of me that wonders sometimes if, if maybe uh, almost like the crowdfunding thing, you guys were just a little bit too early on it. Like it's a would, timing issue. Maybe. Would Maddie collector launching, you know, this year be a, like, would there be some different outcomes? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, and I think also a lot of that had to do with the fact that those were at retail and there were different expectations and different, you know, much higher quotas versus if we had just done those on Maddie Collector. Um, So, I mean, yeah, you know, you can look back and there's a lot that you could definitely overanalyze things to death. But at the end of the day, you know, just, I mean, look, I mean, Target's got Amigo line right now of some really obscure properties. Yeah. uh, Cheers. We are familiar. And they're on, you know, super. Yeah, and they're on super clearance already. So, we picked up the Alice from the Brady yeah, maybe, Bunch. <laughs> yes. Because it was on clearance. Yeah. Ox-wielding Alice. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, but I was know, wondering... I, you know, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was, with that Mego line that's at Target now, that's nostalgic, but that's different. That's like weird 70s properties that I don't know. Like, I feel like right now we're in kind of that, you know, Ghostbusters, Star Wars, Jurassic Park, you know, Mattel, they're doing really well with the Jurassic Park line. By the way, when I say that, I'm, I'm only going about what I read. Yeah, they, and what we talk about on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, like, I think the Jurassic Park line at Mattel is doing really well, but I could be completely wrong, but it seems like I mean, well. it must be. It's been constantly going since Jurassic World came out, yep. like, constantly, mm-hmm. yep. so it must be. Um, so yeah, he, they obviously, they wouldn't be shipping it if it wasn't selling. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It finds a way. Uh, that's good thank you that's why i'm here that was good toys Toys find a way that should be a shirt we're making it all right cool cool. um scott we need your silhouette for that shirt (laughs) like a profile a profile um so okay so one thing i've always people kind of do the what ifs for these kinds of lines um were there any figures that you really wanted to do or that almost happened or or anything that didn't make it into because the line there's a lot in the line like you get most of what you could do with Ghostbusters minus a few ghosts and there's not a Janine figure here there's a question why why was there no Janine in a uh, Maddie Collector and that was actually probably one of my answers was like was Janine was yeah definitely one that really wanted to do 
Uh, and one of the, the two reasons we couldn't do it was one, it was a hundred percent tooled. Uh, you know, there were no shared parts. Right. I mean, granted we did have the Vigo was almost a fully tooled figure, but, um, there were uh, there were actually some uh, licensing restrictions on on where I think we could only do Janine for movie two or something like that. I, I don't remember exactly, but I know it was something weird like that. And it really just came to the fact that we couldn't afford the tooling. Um, you know, we barely afforded Vigo, who was I think one of the only fully tooled figures. And that it was really it was com- I mean completely a tooling issue. Was you know, Ghostbusters was doable because of so you know, we could reuse the bodies so much and you know just do a right. couple different you know untucked or tucked mm-hmm. legs different proton packs uh that's you know i mean yeah doing i mean obviously janine was yeah absolutely something we wanted to do the terror dogs were also a huge one that we tried so hard to do mm-hmm. uh especially because we knew we could kind of get a twofer out of it where you know we could tool one body and then do two different heads and it almost made it a couple times um i know it was on the sheet the year i left as a comic-con two-pack and then after I left, whoever was running it just didn't follow through with that, and it never happened. So I'm so mad was, at that, that person. Was, that was just- <laughs> <laughs> I'm very upset at that person. Um, so I'm trying to get the time. So with, what year did you leave Mattel, actually? 2014, I, I want to say. Yeah, I think 14. <clears throat> okay. So I'm trying to think. The, the the weird thing about the Maddie Collector or the Mattel Ghostbusters figures is that there was kind of remnants of it still being released. Like there was the packless Ghostbusters with the, the two two packs for the 30th anniversary. Um, and I give again to give people perspective, the original figures came out in the 25th anniversary. So that it, it was a five year stretch. And then the there was the Egon figure, uh, the courtroom Egon that was a, uh, a Comic-Con exclusive. Were you involved in, in pushing that one out? Yeah, that, yeah, so that was like that was my last year at Mattel, basically, and I was only able to get that Egon figure out because uh, you know when Harold Ramis unfortunately passed, I was able to kind of give it the hook to management that we could you know we'd be able to sell it because it could be a, we could do it you know in memoriam and it could celebrate Harold Ramis, uh, and it was you know low tooling because we already had the body. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was the, the sales on the Ghostbuster figures towards the end were just getting so low. Really, once you got past the main guys from the first movie, we were having a really hard time selling anybody. I mean, that's why the subscription for Ghostbusters didn't make it the second year. And, you, you know, also why Janine and Janos and, you know, all these other characters we wanted <coughs> to do that were high schooling, you basically had to sell five or six figures with minimum tooling to justify one figure with high tooling, which is why you saw lots of iterations of the Ghostbusters or the guys in suits, your courtroom or the, the, the TV commercial versions. So it was like those figures allowed us to do, you know, that, you know, the Dana or the, or the, um, the Vigo, you know, or something like that, where it had a lot more tooling but the, it really, the sales just kept ducking off to the point that, the, you know, people, management wasn't really going to let us do the Egon figure because they were looking at the sales from the previous thing and saying, hey, you know, the sales don't justify us doing the minimum run. And I did my whole song and dance and I begged and I pleaded and I showed how it completed an existing set and was needed. And, you know, Mr. Ramis had just passed so we could really make it, you know, celebrating his life. 
And they're like, all right, fine, fine, Scott. If you'll shut up, we'll let you do it. I love and the idea of like being yeah. in a meeting, a meeting with a bunch of Mattel like executives. Like, you don't understand. For five minutes in Ghostbusters 2, they're all three wearing suits in a courtroom. And if we don't do the last figure, it won't be complete. And if you don't complete it, it'll be bad for everybody's OCD and it's going to be a problem. Um, so I, mean, I thank you. I love yeah, that and, figure. And, yeah. And honestly, I, I can tell you, as a toy collector myself, it was frustrating. The answer you would always get was they should be glad for what they're getting. Oh my mm. God. I'm so mad. I'm you getting know, rid of all my toys. They should, mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that was, I mean, that really frustrated me sometimes, especially like on the He-Man line when we would have, you know, issues with, uh, you know, fans have big issues with the way the female pelvises were held together and, mm. you know, different color choices. Uh, Frosta wasn't the color white people wanted. And all the time, the answer I would always get is like, they're getting a Frosta. Shut up. Yeah. Like they should be happy yeah. they're even getting this. And I'd be like, oh, you don't understand the emotional connection. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they let me it's they, hard that's to why explain. they let me do it because I, I was willing to do it, you know, because I had the emotional connection. Yeah. You're on the other side. You're like JJ Abrams with The Force Awakens. You're like, you get it. And you get it. Yeah. We respect that. We respect Because that's it. how we feel um about those figures and about the movies we love. So yep. yeah. Um so yeah, I love that. I love that courtroom egon. It comes with a ton of cool accessories. Um I've got mine holding his uh, thermal mug with the Ghostbusters 2 logo on Love it. Love it. Um, so that's for a great... Kids. For the mm-hmm. kids. For the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake actually has uh, our exact replica of the actual mug, and I, I think I need to steal that from you. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can borrow it. Okay, thank that. you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, you can borrow it. Scott, as we wind down here, one thing I remember, there was like a Comic-Con presentation, I think near the end of the line that kind of teased a, a, a relaunch of the real Ghostbusters. Um, and it never kind of came, it never happened. Uh, can you talk about that at all? Were you involved in any of the pre-planning or, or what, what was that going to be? That's kind of a question I've always had. Yeah. I mean, so basically when I left in, the toy industry works two years ahead. So when I left in 14 plans for 15 and 16 were already very, baked and or in the oven baking so what you saw at comic-con that year after which was you know i think i left in maybe like in the fall september october something like that um and then so comic-con you know six months later everything you're seeing at that presentation and even for the next year that were released were all things that i heavily heavily worked on um and you know, I think I've even explained to some other, some people, whether off the record or on the record, that basically everything that happened with Maddie Collector after I left was the, you know, the, the, the three fourths tank full of gas that I left and they never refilled it. So they basically just kept running Maddie on what I had done in place, but they never developed anything new because again, like I said, it, they didn't what they should have done when I left is hired someone to replace me. But because it was never a job in the first place, you know, under Mattel, you know, spreadsheet bureaucracy, where they have a list of all of the jobs, because that never existed. And no one ever, when I left, they didn't, they didn't replace me because they didn't, they didn't, it didn't pop up as an open position to replace you. They literally just kind of like whatever was in the tank they kept going with, and when it came down to that real Ghostbusters line, 
Yeah, we had developed. It was going to be a three and three fourth line. Oh um, wow! You know the whole. Um, you know the whole. We ha- um, I actually I think I had the Slimer from it somewhere because we. Um, I mean they got sculpted. I mean I was really shocked that they didn't come out because they they definitely got pretty far along. But I think again because nobody was sitting at my desk. Uh, well, someone obviously was sitting in my cubicle, but nobody was, you know, taking <laughs> Doing the work. over for Maddie Collector. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, it's like, it just kind of fell apart because there was no, there was no one. I, I said a few times, I think on the He-Man forums, how toy lines like this needed an internal champion. And you gotta have an advocate, right? Like, oh, yeah. 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 And, you know, I got thrown under the bus by fans a lot for saying that, but it really was true. You needed someone in the company who was fighting to make these toys, like the way I explained about that Egon courtroom. So without, not, I mean, not, I don't want to say without a me, but without just someone, anyone who wanted to run Maddie Collector. And, and a reason, one of the big reasons no one wanted to run it was because of how vocal the fans were. For me, I didn't care what the fans said. To me, all that was important was getting the toys out. And, but that's also one of the reasons I had to leave Mattel was because I was essentially working for toys. And kind of the realization that I was, it wasn't until I left Mattel that I realized I was doing the job of four people. Yeah. And when I, when I got a job in another toy company, I was like, whoa, this is all I'm responsible for? This is insane. I want to work for toys. <laughs> Jake, Jake, we need you to be an advocate. You need to get in there. Jake, you need to walk into Mattel and be like, we know about the three and three fourth inch real ghost. We know figures. they're out there. We want them now. We know what those um Scott, that's really interesting. Like we are as as plugged into to you know this stuff as you can be. And I've never heard that that line was going to be uh, that scale and yeah. that and that it was sculpted. So uh, that's a that's a good nugget of yeah. information. I would I would yeah if, for sure. If you come across that Slimer, I'd, I'd love to see a picture. Oh of yeah, it. we you, definitely would. I'll have to I'll have to dig around. I, I know I, when we moved, I think I saw it. So I'll see what I can do. I'll keep my eye out for it. Yeah. And who knows? Like that, maybe but, that. The, and the thing is, like, it's really easy to kind of like, you know, say, "Oh, that would have been that would have been amazing." But like, I, there's plenty of lines. Whether it's sometimes you go to a store and there's like for like that new Power Rangers Legacy line that supposedly is really hard to find and rare to find, like the White Ranger and and, and Lord Zed. Mm-hmm. I see it. Every day at Target and Walmart, five of them just stacked up. Um, so I think people's perspective of what's actually rare or what will sell is usually skewed by what your own personal interests are. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I know, I know you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I just said yeah. I mean, completely. And, and the internet makes people louder than they are numerous. I mean, we get <laughs> right. yeah, we get twenty people posting over, over and over again. We actually, I had Mattel Analytics do a review of the message boards. Uh, and it really wound up. There was only like 20 people. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they probably but all they're so vocal and it's reverberating. Yeah. Um, did, um, a couple, a couple quick ones. If, if you got a few more minutes, um, there was always people asking for uh proton pack. I know that would have been a, a, a big kind of a big ticket item. And you guys did the other props. Uh, was there ever any serious discussion of trying to do that? There was, yeah. The, uh, yeah, oh, wow. The, the props were one, absolutely one of my favorite things that we did, um, beyond, I think. And I, I'm looking at them right here. I've got them in my office. You know that PKE um, meter goes for like 300 bucks now? I'm still waiting for another Mad Maddie Monday where I can get a $40 <laughs> uh, PKE meter and a couple figures because th- those days have long, long sailed. And don't, and don't start me on that hoverboard. That's a whole other story. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Yeah, well, that's I completely forgot about all that. I did too. Yeah, yeah. that's great. The, the hate mail I used to get because it didn't actually float. You have no idea. Oh wow! Oh, um, this is God. bullshit. Yeah, sorry that gravity technology doesn't it exist. Power. <laughs> Toy guru, you have failed us. You have failed humanity. Um, yeah, so humanity does rest on life. Um, <laughs> yeah. on your question, yeah. So when we were actually doing Castle Grayskull was when we had a lot of discussions about the proton pack. And one of the problems was just the sheer cost um, and as well as a vendor that could do it because it wasn't made of plastic. It wasn't a traditional toy like all of Mattel's existing vendors. We would have, you know, we had to work with, you know, electronics vendors and vendors that could you know, do things with metal and welding and it was just a tremendous amount of work that, you know, one of the reasons we were able to get away with what we did on Maddie again, was all the shared tooling. And it was the same, the same basic process of making a Barbie doll was making a Ghostbusters or, you know, a He-Man figure on Maddie was, you know, more or less the same core competency. When we were doing things like the, you know, the ghost traps and then the hoverboard, that was, you know, it was kind of outside of Mattel's normal, manufacturing process for lack of a better word so finding vendors and finding it just required more work than was kind of justifiable for lack of a better word we definitely looked into it it, it just it, it it just came out so expensive um i want to say though it was it was on the plans again for 2016 when i left as kind of the big ticket item for that year especially because with the movie coming out, I think they were going to try to tie it into that. But again, like I said, when I left, they just, you know, the, the tank was 75% full and they ran it until it ran out of gas and nobody ever refilled the tank. And then they just closed it down. Yeah. And it's weird because um, the 2016 line of Ghostbusters figures that did come out from Mattel was, I mean, it's pretty weak. Like it just, it just wasn't, uh, it was almost like they didn't know who to market that movie to. And there was a couple figures and like, obviously bought them all twice or three times. But, uh, it's, it, uh, and I, I remember back in the day, you always being like, you know, the, the possibilities for this, uh, for this line are endless, but we really need, you know, you got to have a piece of entertainment to build off of. You got to have a movie or an animated series or a video game or something happening in the mainstream in, in order to to keep this thing going. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and another funny thing, I don't know if you how close you're paying attention, but they're still using remnants of this line. They're uh, they just put out uh, they're putting out these Ghostbusters WWE mashup figures, and all of the proton packs and, and traps and everything are all from the Maddie Collector figures. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. I, I remember seeing the, the Walmart line of the classic figures. Yeah. And that was actually always what my intention was. And that's why I, I always insisted all of the Maddie figures had more deco and more accessories because the plan was always in a movie year. To, like when I saw that Walmart line, I actually got a big smile. So I'm like, oh, someone did the right thing. This is exactly what the point was, was to take these existing tools and then release them at retail. So that I remember getting a chuckle out of. So yeah, hey, it's great that the you know the, the tooling is getting used for something. The, we have the tooling, we have the talent. <laughs> um, uh, so so as we wrap up here, Scott, you left Mattel. What what uh what did you do? Uh, where did you go after that? 
I spent a variety of time at some smaller toy companies, uh, Jax, Jada, doing uh, the the doing the um, the nano the nano metal figures that Jada does. That was that was me. Actually, that was completely me. Okay. Uh, okay. I came in and pitched pitched that using the old Kenner Star Wars 1982 figures and said, "Hey, we should do this." And there's uh, Ghostbusters the in that line too, right? Well, I think I have those the mm-hmm. the metal Ghostbusters. Yep. 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 Um, so did that at Jada, uh, did a very short stint at Loot Crate, uh, reorganizing their inventory. They were kind of thinking about doing like a Maddie collector where you would buy stuff, but that never happened. And then, uh, I was at entertainment earth for a while also, um, also working on sort of their, um, internal production stuff. Pinmates was one of kind of the flagship line of that, which I think is now at target on an end cap that just launched. And then after all of that, we uh, I was in California for 15 years, and the family kind of said, you know what, we I've got a you know kid now. We need a yard. We need some bigger space. Came out to beautiful North Carolina, and I started a consulting firm, SpectorCreative.com, named after a uh, certain He-Man figure I made. Yes, <laughs> and uh, I do consulting for both the toy industry and retailers and licensors, helping people who have product or ideas for product get it to market, whether it's getting it to Target and Walmart or selling it on Amazon or setting up their own kind of maddiecollector.com. I have several clients that have stuff, you know, that they set, build websites that they sell through. So anyone out there in uh, Ghostbusters land who has ideas for a product, if you are uh, looking for someone to help you get it to market, just head over to spectrocreative.com and you can check out what I do. Oh, I've got yeah, an idea. Yeah, we're going to head over there, Yeah, I think. I, here's an idea. How about a six-inch Maddie Collector Janine figure? How do I get that to mark? <laughs> um, just kidding. That's a joke. Um, you, you'd probably have to pay about $50,000 in tooling right off the bat. Ooh, good. Yeah. I just found yeah, that Yeah, people don't recently. realize like, how, that yeah, a full-tooled figure costs as much as a luxury car. Yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. Um, no, that, that's cool. That's great. Uh, that's also really great that you can use your uh, toy industry experience to, uh, to kind of help... Uh, help out people and yeah. kind of work for yourself, which I'm yeah. sure is a lot better than standing in front of a boardroom of uh, Mattel executives. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I write, I uh, get to send myself home early every day. So nice. it's great. Cool. I work for my toy room. So yeah, pretty Very cool. I do Very really cool. enjoy it. Um, so. Last question. We podcast from our toy room. We podcast from our toy room. Um, <laughs> we really appreciate you uh, going down this little trip. Uh, down memory lane. What uh, what are you collecting now? What uh, what gets you excited in in the in the world of toys that are your must haves? Well, I'm still an obsessive over original trilogy Star Wars three and three fourths. So, like tracking down that uh, Comic Con uh, Luke pack was a big one for me uh, since there's sort of so far and few between that they still put those out. Right. I just big, got big my Marvel Legends. Okay. okay. Um, no, I was just, I just, I, I, I've kind of dipped my toes back into that world. So I've got some vintage and I, uh, like I told you earlier, we got the barge and I got my skiff and my skiff guard. So think things are good for me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm looking at my skiff right now being driven by that new skiff driver. So oh, just nice. um, and then, uh, Marvel legends is a big one. Um, I kind of zoomed in on Spider-Man villains and, like 1992 X-Men and they're definitely Ooh. coming out. Ooh, you got Jake. Right now. That's so, the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Those are, I mean, I think what, what Hasbro's doing with Marvel legends is it's never mm-hmm. been better. And yeah. I'm watching my shelf just 
absolutely fill up with amazing like Jim Lee mutants. And that makes me very happy. And are you surprised when you see, like when you look back on Mattel, like they just announced they're doing a new retail retro line of masters of the universe. It's kind of funny because it's almost like history repeating itself. I was like, didn't they already do this like 12 years ago? Yeah. I I mean, I'm very, I definitely keep up on, I mean, you both professionally and, you know, as a toy fan, I'm sort of what everyone does. And yeah, I mean, I saw what they, you know, they launched at Comic-Con and, you know, it, it, I kind of have my He-Man line classics. I'm glad we finished it and did every vintage figure. That was one of my, I think, most proud moments at Mattel was finishing the, the Motu classic line. Um, you know, there's, I, there's yeah, a lot of weird, because Super 7 was doing the same, was doing, you know, five-inch scale, and now Mattel's doing five-inch scale, and Super 7's not. I, I can kind of keep up. Um, for me, I have my He-Man line. It's kind of done. And... To me, actually, that's one of my favorite parts about a toy. And this might be a great way to wrap up the podcast. I love when a toy line ends. That's one of my favorite times because, especially when it ends complete, because you could say, I have them all and yep. you're done and you have a sense of relief. I mean, it's like, you know, like when I was saying about the Star Wars three and three fourths classic trilogy, you know, part of me kind of wants them to, you know, it's been going on for, you know, 50 years or whatever. I almost wanted to stop. So stop. I, could say, like, I have them all. Um, <laughs> stop it. You know, even Enough. though there's like some obscure cantina alien I want. Right. But yeah. I like that about both Justice League Unlimited and Motu Classics, you know, and definitely to a degree the, the Ghostbusters line from Maddie, that it really, you know, they, I mean, yeah, you could Janine and Terror Dogs aside, it's nice to be able to say they're done. I have them on my shelf. My shelf is complete. And I feel good and I can relax. Yes. Now I can move on to the next obsession. That's oh, great. Yeah. I like that. That is a good 100%. way to end. We're completists at heart, like all of us. Yes. So it's, it's a good feeling. And to it's have frustrating that last when you thing. can't, uh, when, when, when it just keeps now, going. White whale. Yeah, they're all white whales. Um, Scott, uh, real quick, I know you plugged it already, but go ahead and tell everybody uh, your website one more time uh, and then we'll, because uh, uh, we want to make sure everybody knows uh, what you're up to. Oh, sure, sure. Thanks. So, yeah, so it's Spector with an O, SpectorCreative.com. And uh, it's all about doing branding, retail placement, and uh, and toy design for people who have kind of concepts but don't really know how to get it to the next level. And uh, I love doing that. And I have a huge passion for it. So, yeah, anyone out there who wants to just check out what I'm up to and kind of see my portfolio, you probably will recognize most of the stuff on there because it's a lot of the stuff that's probably on your guys' shelf. Cool. All right. Nice. Thank you, Scott. Toy Guru. Appreciate this uh this Maddie Collector memory. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for hanging yeah, out, dude. man. Absolutely. I never get a chance to talk toys because it's really actually my pleasure too. So thank you guys so much for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. We learned a lot. Thanks. For sure. Thanks, man.